Heavenly Father, we ask you right now to help us as we open up your word, Father, that you would show us the travesty as far as how he was treated, and yet at the same time, the beauty of the plan that was well executed. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ in so many ways, and we thank you for this in his name. Amen. Let me ask you if you would to join me tonight in John chapter 19. And as you're opening your Bible to John 19, I want to just give you some background. In the last part of John 18, we see uh, Pilate is involved with the Jews having a discussion. And this discussion is going on about what to do with Jesus. And uh, when uh, they bring the uh, when they bring Jesus to the uh, Pilate, Pilate comes out and he says, uh, "What accusation do you have against this man?" And and they smarted off by saying that uh, if this man was not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Now that's not really a a nice way of approaching somebody you want to do you a favor, but that's how the attitude they had. They they came with this uh, nasty attitude. And then Pilate said, well, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. The Jews said, and I want you to notice this in verse 31 of chapter 18. The Jews said, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So then Pilate goes inside and he begins to talk to Jesus. He says, are you the king of the Jews? And they have this discussion and the last question in verse 35, what have you done? In other words, what have you done that makes these people want to kill you so badly? And during the discussion, Jesus says twice in verse 27 that his kingdom is not of this world. So he is saying that he's a king, but not of a king of this kind of worldly situation. He says, so you are a king. And as if Jesus wasn't, I mean, as Pilate wasn't already confused, then Jesus says, for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who listens to truth listens to my voice, which made Pilate ask the question, what is truth? But Jesus didn't answer that. So Pilate goes back outside and he says these words, I find no fault in him. There is absolutely no reason that I can see that this man deserves to die. And yet you all continually say, crucify him. And to try to get out of it, in verse 39, he says, but you have a custom. You have a, a custom that I should release somebody to you. And here's your choices. And he gives these choices thinking, surely they'll pick the right one in his eyes. I can release to you Barabbas, who clearly is a criminal, or this man, Jesus, again, that I find no fault in whatsoever. And as clever as that idea was, the crowd yells out, not this man, but Barabbas. So we see in chapter 19, the very first verse, that Pilate has Jesus flogged. 
And the idea of flogging means to beat with a whip. And again, I mentioned the movie The Passion the other night. Uh, just the scene of him getting beat up like that. Such a, a terror to watch. And again, that wasn't all of it. In addition to the beating, they also took a, a crown of thorns and they smashed it upon his head and they made fun of him as they made this little purple robe and put around him. And they began to mock him, calling him the, the king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. And I want to ask you again, were you there when all this was going on? In verse 4, we see Pilate coming out and he says these words, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know I find no fault in him. Again, that same message, but yet the people did not respond well. When Jesus came out in verse 5, he says he was wearing a, the crown of thorns they made. He had on the purple robe. There he is. He's been beaten. Flesh has been torn off of his body. He's bleeding. He's probably having a hard time standing up. Pilate is thinking maybe he's done enough that they will change their mind. He says, behold the man. And yet the crowd says in verse 6 to crucify him. And they repeat it. And then Pilate says... Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Remember I told you earlier that the Jews said that we cannot do it. It's against the law for us to do it. Well, here's something interesting. In Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, whoever blasphemes the Lord, and that's what they said that Jesus was doing. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. And I told you over and over throughout the book of John that they tried to stone him. And every time they picked up the stones, he would get away. And it's because God is sovereign and he wasn't supposed to die by being stoned. He was supposed to die upon the cross on a certain time. Because God's plan always comes to pass. When Pilate heard that they said that Jesus made himself the Son of God, the last part of verse 7. His response in verse 8 says he was even more afraid. So imagine that you're Pilate. Well, what do you do here? You have this Jew brought to you that the Jews want you to kill. You see no reason to kill him. You know the Jews don't like you. You don't like the Jews. You'd like to do something to like solve the problem and send them away, but they're not satisfied with that. They want you to crucify him. Now you're hearing that he's making himself out to be the son of God. And, and the, the Jews knew that he was very superstitious. The Roman people were afraid of superstitions like this. What if he is some kind of a God and, and I have him killed? What will happen to me? In verse 9, he goes back into his headquarters and he says to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. 
Now, again, Pilate is having all kinds of emotions, right? Watch what happens now. Pilate said to him, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? In other words, you better be nice to me, buddy. I've got the ability to get you out of this. But Jesus answers, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. In other words, Pilate, my father has all this lined out and you're just a piece in the puzzle. You have no authority. My father has the authority. And he has put me before you for this reason. And then he says this. Therefore, who he who delivered you or me over to you has the greater sins. He who has delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Now, Jesus is not saying that God has this point system. That a little white lie is three points, and this is five points, and this is ten points. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is this. You having me killed is nothing compared to the emphasis placed upon the one who brought me before you. Now, I've read a bunch of commentaries, and we don't know if he's talking about Judas or Caiaphas or maybe even all the Jews as a whole. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, he says, Pilate, you were just a piece in the puzzle. Do what you're supposed to do. In verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Now, again, they knew how to play Pilate. They didn't like Caesar either. They kept looking for somebody to be the king of the Jews that would get them out from under the hand or the control of the, of the Romans. But yet they're saying these things so that Pilate feels the pressure. Verse 13, when he heard these words, he brought Jesus out and set down the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramic Gabatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. So this is right before Passover. About the sixth hour, he said to the Jews, behold, your king. Well, that ticked him off even more. They didn't want to hear that. How they respond, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? Listen to this answer the chief priest gives. Again, deceitfulness all across the board. We have no king but Caesar. You don't like Caesar any more than anybody else, but you're claiming a loyalty to him to get rid of Jesus. So Pilate, what does he do in verse 16? He delivered him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. I want you to think about for a moment whose place Jesus took. 
that place between the two robbers was supposed to have been who? Barabbas. But now it's Jesus. Jesus is in the middle. And we know later that one of the thieves on the cross later says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. But at this point, there they are, the three crosses, and Pilate has put a sign above the cross that infuriated the Jews. The sign says, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. And the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. We, we don't want him having anything to do with a actual tie to our people. He said that. He's not the king. You're mocking us at the same time that you're mocking him. And, and I love this answer that Pilate gives. What I have written, I have written. You know, we have a, a modern day version of that. And it gets us in trouble a lot of times. We'll say, that's it. End of discussion. Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. In verses 23 and following, we see the soldiers crucifying Jesus and taking his garments, casting lots for them. In verse 24, it says they didn't tear them. And this was to fulfill scripture again. God had every detail made out. In verse 25, we see who's with Jesus watching all this happen. It's his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which is John standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple, John, took her to his own home. Verse 28, after knowing this, or after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished. And I want you to think about that word finished. Said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, and they put a sour a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, there's a lot of debate about this. And I know that some of you may be on both sides of this discussion, but I want you to look at the, the thought here. Jesus said it is finished, and you have to ask yourself what exactly is finished. He was talking about the price that was paid for salvation. The work of redemption was now complete. He said it is finished. He did not say it is possible. 
In other words, there are some people that believe that what Jesus was saying was, I've died on the cross, and if you want to be redeemed by me, then that can happen. But if that's the case, he wouldn't have said it is finished. He would have said it is now possible. Eric Raymond wrote this quote, and I really liked it, and I put it on Facebook, and some people had all kinds of answers in their mind, I'm sure. Jesus Christ either died for everyone, or every, yeah, everyone, nobody, or for the elect. And, and all I want to say about that tonight is this, that if Jesus died for every single person, then nobody's going to hell. And if nobody's going to hell, then Jesus lied. So something is wrong with that understanding. That's why Paul said that for us, God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become his righteousness. Now, I've asked you over and over, were you there? If you are a child of God, the answer is yes. Because in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ? Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So he said over and over, if we have been united in Christ, if we are in Christ, we were there. But the beauty of it is this. He alone paid the price and gave you and gave me salvation. That means that we are the redeemed. We have a testimony to share with the world that, yes, Jesus is the answer. I was headed for hell, but by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ upon the cross, burial, and resurrection, I'm no longer going to hell. I have a home in heaven above. My sins, which were many, have been washed away. The payment for those sins, which was great, has been paid in full because he said, it is finished. Praise God for that. When I think about all the things, all the areas that I fall so short in, I am thankful that my God sees past that. When it's all said and done and I stand before God, when it's all said and done and you stand before God as a Christian, here's the good news. He will say, your payment has been paid by my son. Welcome home. 
Welcome home. Tonight, as we celebrate Good Friday, thank God for the price that was paid on your behalf and my behalf. Amen. No longer held in bondage to sin, but set free. And Jesus said, he that is set free is free indeed. Praise God. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the cross of Jesus. Lord, may we never discount what Jesus went through, the pain, the concern, the mockery, the agony of it all. And yet he did this because of the glory that was before him when his job was done. Father, thank you for saving us through Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone listening right now that's not yet a Christian, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, call them by name, call them to repentance, call them to faith in you. Save them and give them a new life. And we ask in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you all so much for coming.